0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: Even though we live under the new covenant, we seem to oftentimes function like we're still under the old covenant. What do I mean by that? Well, we tend to think that our fellowship with God and God's blessing upon us and our intimacy with Him is contingent upon our faithfulness, and it's not.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Mark, chapter 14, verses 12 through 26, in a message titled, The Last Supper. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: So here we are, and we are making our trek through the Gospel of Mark. And as you can see, we're coming close to the end. And what I want to do is I want to look specifically. Now, we've read through this passage, but we're not going to look at every detail of the passage. But I want to look at mainly one thing, but kind of, you know, in a sense, there's two things. But I I want to look at, first of all, the Passover And then I want to look at what we commonly call the Last Supper. So we call this the Last Supper. It's not really called that in the scripture, but it's the the supper that Jesus had with his disciples before he suffered. But what we need to realize is it's not just any meal. It is the Passover meal. So there's so much significance here. And it wasn't just simply that Jesus knew that he was going to leave, and this was the last time to really engage with his disciples closely, so let's have a meal together. It was something way deeper than that. Now, the Passover was the final act of God in delivering the people of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt. So remember, Israel was there. They were 400 years in bondage, and then God sends them Moses to deliver them. The culmination of 10 plagues that God used to break the power of Egypt and set Israel free was the death of all the firstborn in the land. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat upon his throne to the firstborn of the lowliest servant, and even the firstborn animals. And so on on this particular night, this culmination of the 10 plagues, God would pass through the land of Egypt in judgment, and all the firstborn in the land would die unless. Unless what? Unless that household had taken a lamb and slain it, placing its blood over the doorpost of the house, and then entering the house and remaining there that night. As the angel of judgment passed through the land, when he saw the blood over the house, he would pass over. That's the word. He would pass over that house and spare the firstborn. So that's where this whole thing originated. So the Passover meal that Jesus and his disciples were having was to commemorate that. And of course, God had commanded Israel that from that night in Egypt, when they celebrated the Passover, they were to do that every year throughout their entire history. And they were to do it on a specific day, the 14th day of Nisan, that was the day. And then the, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were accompanied So the Passover began on the 14th, and the following day was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So as we read in the New Testament about this, sometimes the terms are used interchangeably. Uh, Sometimes it just says Passover, but it includes the Unleavened Bread feast as well. Sometimes it just says the Feast of Unleavened Bread, but it's talking about the Passover, because they were inseparable. And so here they are, and... They're gathered together in this commemorative event, but it wasn't just to commemorate a past event. It was pointing to a future event that had now come. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was to shed his blood for the sins of the world so that anyone who would come under that blood would be freed from the judgment of God against sin and delivered from the bondage of sin and death. That is why when this moment had finally come, Jesus said, and Luke records it this way, Jesus said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. This Passover. This was the Passover that all previous Passovers were pointing to. And so this is the moment but now Jesus, moving beyond that, as they were eating the Passover, Jesus does something that had never had been done before, obviously. He takes the elements of the Passover meal and he gives new meaning to them. So, I mean, think about it. The Passover was specifically given by God to Israel and the and the details of how it was to be observed were very specific and now Jesus is taking those and he is giving new meaning so listen to what he says he says or it says and as they were eating Jesus took bread blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and said take eat this is my body wow this is my body Now, there was an interesting component here, and it has to do with the feast of unleavened bread. So God says to Israel that they are to bake bread, but they are to not put any leaven in it. Now, this is on the night that they're going to leave Egypt. So practically, the reason for that was because Of course, when you put leaven in it, you have to wait for it to rise before you can bake it. And and they have to flee in haste. So there's no leaven that is to be put into the bread. It's to be unleavened bread. But beyond that, as they observe the feast throughout the years, they are still to have unleavened bread. Uh, There's no need. There's no, uh, they're not leaving in haste. They're not fleeing. But they're still to observe it with unleavened bread. And in preparation for the feast, they were to go through the house, and they were to make sure there wasn't an ounce of yeast in the house. No yeast whatsoever. And then they were to prepare this unleavened bread. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, leaven is mentioned, and, you know, in some of the sacrifices, because they had grain sacrifices, some of them could have leaven and some others were not to have leaven but this becomes an interesting picture it's never stated specifically in the old testament that leaven represents sin but it does and we know this from the new testament commentary because paul in writing to the corinthians he talks about that very thing he makes the connection that the the old testament never spelled out But he makes the connection. But here's the point that I want us to see. And again, this kind of goes back to what I said earlier, just about the the glory of the scripture and the wonder of the scripture. See, nobody really knew exactly why the bread had to be unleavened. But right now, we understand why it had to be unleavened. Because Jesus said, this bread is my body. Jesus was sinless. And so had the bread not been unleavened, it could not have represented the body of Jesus. But think of it, all of those hundreds of years before so about approximately 1,400 years between the original Passover and this now final Passover meal. And all of that time, as God instituted this, it was all about this moment when Jesus would take that bread and break it and say, this is my body. This is my body. And we know from the other gospel accounts, this is my body that is broken for you broken for you and so it was Jesus is now speaking about the reality of what's coming remember at this point the disciples themselves still don't fully understand what's happening it still hasn't really sunk down into their ears that Jesus is going to die that he's going to be betrayed that he's going to basically have his body broken through the scourgings and the beatings and finally through the crucifixion. They, they really don't understand that. And then he says that this is the blood of the new covenant. Now, the new covenant, so we, we talk about covenants, we, we read about covenants. A covenant just to simplify it, is a binding relationship. A marriage is a covenant. So when a man and a woman pledge themselves to one another, they're making a covenant with one another. They're coming into an agreement. And so God had made a covenant with the nation of Israel back at the time of Moses. Now, he had made a covenant with Abraham that predated that. But the the covenant, when Jesus says the new covenant, he's contrasting it with the covenant that God made with Moses. So God made a covenant with Moses and with the people, but now Jesus says, "I'm, I'm making a new covenant. And this is something that even back in the Old Testament period, in the time of the prophets, this is something that God had declared he would do. He would make a new covenant and he would make a new covenant for this reason, because the old covenant was faulty. The old covenant was faulty in that human beings could not live up to it. And since human beings could not live up to it, the relationship that God desired could not really take place. So there has to be a new covenant that's made. And here's the thing about the new covenant. The new covenant fellowship in the new covenant which is the whole objective of of the covenant fellowship is not dependent on human faithfulness fellowship is dependent on god's faithfulness and that's what's happening here as jesus makes this new covenant and as i said the lord had prophesied that this new covenant would come Jeremiah prophesied about this new covenant. And then the writer of Hebrews in the eighth chapter, when the writer is explaining what you know has actually taken place, he quotes Jeremiah. And let me read it to you. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt Why? Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. Listen, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. You see, God says, I'm gonna make a new covenant and I'm gonna do all the work. I'm gonna put my law in their minds. I'm gonna put it in their heart. In other words, the new covenant is not going to be based upon their ability to perform. It's going to be based upon my ability. And so when Jesus says, this cup is my blood, or this cup, this is is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many, that's what he's talking about. And this is so important for us to realize because We tend to, even though we live under the new covenant, we seem to oftentimes function like we're still under the old covenant. What do I mean by that? Well, we tend to think that our fellowship with God and God's blessing upon us and our intimacy with him is contingent upon our faithfulness. And it's not. That's just the simple reality. It's not. But we live like it is. And so even though we're in this new covenant, we live like we're still under this performance-based relationship with God. And we live half the time wondering if God really loves me. Does God really care? Is he going to help me? I've sinned. I'm such a bad person. I don't even know if God really, I mean, how could he? After all, look at who I am. What is all of that? That's all performance-based. That's basically all old covenant. But you see, the new covenant says, no, yes, I am a sinner, but Christ has forgiven me. And I am now in Christ. And God sees me in Christ. He sees me as perfected. And the blood of Jesus, God's Son, is constantly, continually cleansing me from all sin. And and so I I can live my life in this relationship that God desires, knowing that it's not based upon my perfection that comes from my own efforts, but it's based upon what Jesus did. It's the new covenant. Now, here's the last thing. Jesus and his covenant are commemorated by a meal. Now, this is so interesting. In the ancient world, this was the time where you really connected. There was this communion that was taking place. You see, if you really wanted to enjoy one another and experience a deep bond of friendship with one another, you did it around the table. That's where you did it. And see, this is, this is my point. The new covenant is demonstrated for us and commemorated by this meal. So what is it saying the new covenant is about intimate familial communal relations that's what it's about it's about god loving us so much that he wants to he wants to be around us he wants us to be around him he wants us to all be gathered around the table I mean, it's amazing when you think of that. Remember, in Revelation, where Jesus he says to the Church of Laodicea. Now, Leo, remember in Revelation the first uh, or chapters two and three, you have the letters to the seven churches, and Jesus is addressing those churches, and he's basically commending them for certain things, he's correcting them with other things, and the, to the Church of Laodicea who had pretty much shut Jesus out. Remember what he said? He said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. Why does Jesus say that? Because that's what they had lost. They had missed out on the whole point of the covenant. The whole point of the covenant is to have fellowship. The whole point of the covenant is to live in nearness to God, in community with him, in intimacy. That's the whole point. And now, remember, as Jesus says, I've I've longed to eat this Passover with you. Why? Because now everything is going to be reversed. Everything is going to go back to the way God intended it. Because, of course, the, the break in the communion happened in the garden. But now that's all going to be undone. And the kind of intimacy that God desired when he created Adam and Eve that had really to a large degree been lost for all of those ages because of the sin issue, now that's all going to be restored. And that's why Jesus said, I will eat with you. So this is what the God of creation, the God of the Exodus. Now, sometimes this blows my mind. I don't know if you ever have this experience. But sometimes when I'm, I mean, I I don't know, I might just be doing anything, but it'll just dawn on me that the God that I serve is the God of the Exodus. He's the same God that appeared to Moses at the burning bush. He's the same God that delivered the children of Israel. He's the same God that established the Passover. He is the God of Bethlehem. He is the God of Calvary. Calvary, of course, is the the place where Jesus died. Golgotha, the Latin translation is Calvary. He is the God of Calvary and of the empty tomb. And he amazingly, astoundingly longs to have fellowship with you and with me. Wow. So do we get that? Are we understanding that? Are we taking advantage of this amazing invitation into this communion with the Lord? Isn't it interesting that when we remember, as we do here monthly, the sacrifice of Jesus, the the bread and the cup, what do we call it? We call it communion because that's what it is. That is the place that God created where he would meet with us now in this intimate fashion. And so let's not forget that. And by all means, let's not neglect that. You know, your Christian life is not, I mean, for some people, sadly, the Christian life is just a series of rules You don't do this, and you do do that, and you go to church, and, you you know. and, And although, you know, those components exist, that's not the essence of it. The essence of it is you knowing God and God knowing you. And so may we understand that we are no longer under the old covenant. We are new covenant people. We are in the relationship, and it's an unbreakable relationship. God said, I'm going to put my law in their mind, in their heart. And in the prophets, back in the Old Testament passages, you know what God says about that? He says, and they will never depart from me again. God seals us in that relationship with him. And now for us, it's just a matter of coming to this table so to speak coming to this place of communion with the lord jesus and and every time one last thing when the children of israel the lamb itself was to be eaten and that was to be their strength so when jesus talks about this is my body he's talking about feeding on him And he even said this in John chapter 6. He says, he's speaking about his body again, and he says, the one who feeds on me. How do we feed on the Lord? Now, some people take a very mystical approach to the communion elements, but what the scripture is talking about is we're feeding. We're feeding on Jesus by coming to him, the bread of life, by coming to him, that living word. And as we come to him through his word, and as we meet in fellowship with him through his word, this is where we receive that strengthening. This is where we receive that refreshing. This is where we receive that blessing. And this is where we understand more thoroughly the new covenant, the everlasting covenant that we have been brought into
0: September Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A London Sparrow, the inspiring and true story of Gladys Allward by Phyllis Thompson. The story of Gladys Allward is one that inspires. God used Gladys Allward to reach the lost in China during a period of peril and war. The story is one that is transparent about her weaknesses and mistakes, but it's also a story of God's strength made perfect through weaknesses, God's promised provision, and a life surrendered to God. If you have a longing for God to use your life, Have been discouraged by setbacks or doubts That God can use you You need to get this book You'll be inspired by what God can do Through a life that is willing to follow him The book A London Sparrow The inspiring and true story of Gladys Allward By Phyllis Thompson Is our gift to say thank you For your donation to Back to Basics So we encourage you to call us right now At 1-800-733-6443 Or visit us online at Backtobasicsradio.com